Welcome, everyone. Welcome. It's hello, Elena hello. Steeple, and um, I'm sitting in today for uh, Joseph Ward and Mr. Matthias Sweet, who so kindly turned over the microphone to me um, for the Mind Your Body and Soul podcast. So I just want to say welcome to everyone within uh, the sound of my voice. I want to let you know that, um, well, I said that I was Elena Steeple, Mariah White nurse practitioner here at Neighborhood Medical Center. And I wanted to let you know that this is such an exciting time to be putting on a podcast. Um, Mind Your Body and Soul is an educational podcast that really focuses on all things that really pertain to your health. And I just want to say that we have just an awesome show for you today. Um, we have Dr. Katrina Ball and she uh, she deals with, she's a our nurse midwife, certified nurse midwife, as well as dealing in women's health issues. And so, you know, this is an opportunity for us to take the information from a professional and really just kind of deal with it, pass it on. So I'm super, super excited. You have to remember that the Mind Your Body and Soul podcast is a podcast where we seek information. We want to empower you. We want to lift you up and we want to mo mobilize our listeners to become the best and the healthiest self versions of themselves. So um, without further ado, oh, by the way, gentlemen, listen, I know it's a women's health topic. I understand <laughs> that. However, however, I know men's health is next month. Just around, I, September is <clears throat> men's health. And you know what? I bet Dr. Ball has enough information in there that if you want to seem really smart and up to date on stuff with women's health, you can go back and tell your partner, and I guarantee you, she'll love you for life. So with that said, um, I'm going to introduce uh, Dr. Katrina Ball. And Dr. Ball, do you mind just giving us just a really nice background of yourself? You know, where you went to school, why did you decide to become uh, a nurse midwife, focusing on women's health? So I'm going to pass it off to you. All right. Well, thank you so very much. And thank you guys for inviting me to be a guest on your podcast. I definitely do feel honored to be here today. Um, as stated, my name is Katrina Ball. I am a certified nurse midwife here at Neighborhood Medical Center. And what I'd like to do is start with what a midwife is, because I understand that not many people know have or know what a midwife is or have ever heard that definition or that term before. So wow. just to start, a midwife or the definition midwife means to be with woman. And there are different types of midwives. As stated, I am a certified nurse midwife, which means that I got my college degree or my bachelor's degree in nursing, and then I went on to get my master's in nurse midwifery. As a certified nurse midwife, I do have to be licensed in the state in which I'm practicing, and I do have to go to an accredited uh, school, nurse midwifery school, and I have to pass a certification exam as well. As a certified nurse midwife, I may deliver um, 
babies within the home setting, in the birth center setting, in the hospitals. I may work in a physician's office, in the clinic, and I have the honor or the pleasure of being able to care for women um, all the way from adolescence, age 13, maybe when they begin the initiation of their menstrual cycles or menarche, all the way up until postmenopausal care. So I, I love to be able to provide all types of care, whether that's preconception care, family planning, contraceptive oh, management awesome. is, is very vast. So um, those are some of the things that I do as a certified nurse midwife. Okay. Um, and so I just wanted to give that background because I know not a lot of people know what a midwife is. And, and there are different definitions of midwives. So that, I did want to start with that. <laughs> yay. See, see, folks, just in that two minutes that Dr. Ball was talking, I guarantee you, you walked away with at least 30 nuggets. There you 30 go. golden nuggets you go. that you can there take you back go. and impress your friends. Well, yes. I, you know what, Dr. Ball, you, you hit on something that I really wanted to start off with. And, okay. And, and in reference to preventative care, yes. because, because, yes. You know, we want people to to see you before stuff happens. Yeah. So can you just break down for for us, you know, exactly, hey, adolescents, what what should I be looking or doing here? You know, once I get in my early twenties, what should what kind of preventative screenings should I do here? So I'm gonna let you have it. Okay, and in line with that, with preventive preventative care, mm -hmm. I just want to make people, not make people aware, but just state that it's very important when we're talking about um, screenings and so forth that we're making individualized assessments with our patients um, because there are some risks and benefits of screenings. Okay. You know, you may okay. have increased anxiety if you get a diagnosis prematurely. There may be unnecessary testing that doesn't necessarily need to be done. Mm -hmm. um, there are false positives that can come from screenings. So just want to start with making sure that we are individualized in our approach. Okay. When starting with uh, an ideal primarily only with women, unless I'm bringing a partner in for treatment. But when talking about adolescence, um, starting at, like I stated, the initiation of their menstrual cycle and up, some things that I do want to touch on are um, obesity, which is, you know, um, which is huge within our community right now. Mm -hmm. And obesity is defined as a BMI of greater than 30 or higher. Okay. So, and even those who are overweight with the BMI of 25, thank you, to 29.9, I want to go ahead and um, screen them for obesity as well as to be able to talk to them about things that we can do to turn those numbers around. As so let me, let me stop ahead. you there. Excuse mm -hmm. me. Let me stop you there because th I, th I think that that is... Um, that's an excellent point. You know, whether or not it's women's health or primary care or even specialty, you know, we run into obesity. So can you can you just um, expound more information as to what what kind of things can happen to to a woman who is 
overweight or obese, how does that how does that that weight, um, you know, impact her 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 health? It in, it impacts their health in many ways. It puts them at in, excuse me at increased risk for hypertension, for diabetes, for um, certain cancers, oh. and especially with myself also dealing in pregnancy care. Mm -hmm. When I have obese patients, it puts them at increased risk of a cesarean section, an uh, increased risk of a shoulder dystocia, which is where there's a, a shoulder that gets impacted during delivery, which can have adverse outcomes for the fetus. Um, those women are at increased risk sometimes for infection. It's hard to monitor their children um, during the labor process. So again, there are just many things that can arise from obesity and obesity has so many modifiable i mean it's modifiable it is something that we can do something about with proper nutrition and getting some physical activity i always say that's the activity exercise is the best prescription that any provider can give as long as the patient follows it that's right but those right. particular things can really decrease that risk and it's also about getting at the underlying layers of it because there's a lot of times a familiar history of mm -hmm. being overweight or obesity. There's that generational um, ways of cooking from generation to generation where we're using a lot of butter and oil right. and fats and things like that. So, you know, trying to also kind of get to the root of that. And sometimes there's some underlying mental um, concerns such as anxiety or depression or abuse, things of that nature. But obesity definitely can impact so many things. I even have some women who come to me desiring to get pregnant. And one of the things I recommend if they are overweight or obese is let's let's start to lose some weight because that can have an impact on the menstrual cycle. Okay. And I have two success stories. Once they got their weight under control, they came to me with a positive pregnancy test and we're crying tears of joy. And that was the only awesome. difference. They did. That was the only difference. Well, it's, it's, it's so interesting because um, as a as the Ryan White provider, as well as a primary care provider. Yes. So I do have to touch on the weight. And it's so nice to hear you hear that, folks? I'm not the only one who's stressing <laughs> the weight. You have Trust to. Me. Trust me. It, it affects every aspect. So, Dr. Ball, so what would you, let's say that I had a 12-year-old daughter, mm -hmm. and so I'm bringing her into you because I notice um, I noticed some of the, you know, her breast buds are coming. Some of the pubic hair is coming. What exactly, can you just kind of walk me through um, a, a, a visit with a child that has never really come into a quote unquote adult's uh, exam room, yes. but they're starred, their bodies are changing. Yes. So can you, can you kind of walk me through um, a visit like that? Absolutely. Um, for those patients who are definitely younger and just starting out with the provider to discuss their menstrual cycle or things of that nature, first mm -hmm. I just want to somewhat allow them to direct the visit because it's the very first visit. So I don't want to jump in it saying this, 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 I want to let them open up to me, like, what are your thoughts? 
let me talk to you about the normalcy of what you're experiencing of what you're going through. Okay. Let's talk about that menstrual cycle and what this means and trying to break that down so that they're able to understand that, um, especially because I have some young pregnant women. So I want them to be able to understand that menstrual cycle. I want to have conversations with them about sexual abuse because that unfortunately um, is on the rise within families as well. So wanting to talk to them about that as well. Again, I'm wanting to screen their blood pressure, um, even for those who are age 13 um, and up, wanting to wow. just check out that blood pressure, wanting to talk to them about a healthier diet and lifestyle. Now, mind you, I know I'm talking to a preteen or a teenager, so I know that that's Some right. of it's going to go in one ear and out the other. That's okay. But I'm planting some little nuggets, some little seeds that are there. Um, I do want to talk to them about their sexual activity. Talk to them about, hey, have you thought about it? Have you thought about the emotional aspect of it, the mental aspect of it? Um, look, actually going into depth of sexually transmitted infections and diseases mm -hmm. because the lack of knowledge there is overwhelming. That's you correct. Know, and that's not just in the 12 year olds and the 13 year olds. I'm talking my 30 plus year olds as well. So trying to give them some information again that they can interpret okay. um, and answer the questions that they have to the best of my ability. Okay. And and so so moms, moms <laughs> who have those uh preteens or tweens, mm -hmm. I think they call them, yeah. you know, please, you know, Dr. Ball just said some wonderful information that to expose your daughter early yes. means that yes. you get in there early, which means that you have a longer life of healthy living. And so, so if you do have any questions or concerns or there are questions that are rolling in your mind as a mother, you yes. don't know how to say them. Yes. Dr. Ball is is the perfect person who who can answer them. So so let's jump to someone who, hey, they left the tween years behind. They're about 20, mm. eh, let's say 21. Mm. So now now all the information that you brought from their pre-adolescence, it's coming with them. But now there are additional tests or yes. di additional screenings. Yes. yes. So yes. so can you can you give me give us some information regarding that? Absolutely, absolutely. I believe the the largest one during that that age range, especially if you're starting at 21, is going to be the cervical cancer screenings, which yes. we now start at age 21. Um, previously, they started whenever a woman became or an adolescent became pregnant. It was, excuse me, not pregnant, but sexually active. Okay. Um, they were having a cervical cancer screening or a pap, um, okay. as many refer to it as done. But now the evidence or the guidelines point to starting at age 21 in those who are not immunocompromised. And um, so that's going to be the, the largest one, uh, cervical cancer screening starting at age 21. Based on the results of that cervical cancer screening, that would determine the frequency of screening moving forward. 
Okay, based on the, the results that we get from that. So um, after age 21, we typically would screen you every three years. If you have a normal um, cytology or a normal PAP result, mm -hmm. as we get um, older in age, age 30, that actually uh, spaces out a bit more, but we add additional testing to that. Um, and that being the human papillomavirus. Um, and that is done in conjunction with the PAP. And with that human papillomavirus, that virus is the cause of 99.7% of cervical cancers. Wow. And there are certain strands of it, strands 16 and 18, that are more associated with, um, are more predominant in cervical cancer. And there are some other strands that can cause genital warts and so forth. So, um, that's an additional testing that we add on for sure after age 30. So so this is in addition to, um, you know, they have their primary care, yes. but would, would you be the specialist, Dr. Ball, who would prescribe the HPV, the human papillomavirus uh, vaccine? And yes. for, for those who, who uh, do not know, but there are some awesome commercials out there yes. and yes. they're male and females they're looking at the camera they're going mom dad did yes. you know you yes. know there's just it's just some great information so can you can you give a little information dr ball as to the importance of yes. those vaccines you touched on it just a second mm -hmm. ago but can you give a little bit more information on that Absolutely. And that's actually going back even to the adolescent patient or pre-adolescent patient who's coming in at age 12 or age 13. The okay. recommendation is to get at least two doses of that HPV vaccine um, within the ages of 11 to 12. And you may start as early as age nine. Mm -hmm. And again, these vaccines, there are different vaccines out there. One of the most dominant ones is the Gardasil 9, okay. which does cover nine types of uh, the HPV virus, especially those types that are more so associated with cervical cancer. Okay. So ideally, we want to catch them um, ages 11 to 12. However, okay. if we catch them after that, it's okay. Um, the first, after the first vaccine, Mm -hmm. It's followed by a vaccination for those who are just doing the two-shot series. The second um, shot would be administered between six to 12 months after the first vaccination. But for those who are, say, 15 up to age 45, which is oh, the wow. newer wow. Uh, guidelines, is awesome. that, that's a three-shot. <laughs> That's Do you hear my mature ladies? Yes, 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 absolutely. Awesome. And that is a three-dose vaccination there. And the reason why it's changed mm -hmm. up to age 45 is because we still have time to protect women against those strands that are more commonly associate, associated with cervical cancer. And one thing I do want to say about that HPV vaccine, I've had a couple of patients come to me and state, okay, I completed the HPV vaccine, but my cervical cancer screening states that the HPV vaccine is present. And that is still a possibility because oh. we have to remember that the vaccine is only covering a certain number okay. of viruses, okay. Okay? okay? It does not cover, there are over 100 
strands of the HPV virus. It's not going to cover all of them, okay. but we want it to definitely target those ones that are more commonly associated with developing into cervical cancer. Oh, awesome. Okay, I'm going to stop right here. Yes. Y'all should have like 200 plus golden nuggets from <laughs> Dr. Ball so far. Okay, man, I hope you're taking down little notes so you yes, can take your some notes. Take some notes. <laughs> Come on. So, so I think that's a, a, a great segue. I've started to see more, uh, you know, less of the because you know because of the COVID situation the universities are not quite like they were before in in full swing so i'm, I'm seeing a little lot more women over the age of 30 and so so believe it or not there are still some women over the age of 30 they have given birth to four and five babies but they still will not come in for their well woman exam so if you can take it for my mature ladies, if you can walk us through uh, a typical well woman exam for someone who's over the age of 30 and the importance of that exam. Yes, um, and ex starting off the cervical cancer screening is important. It okay. is because, you know, it takes time for cancer to develop, for cervical cancer to develop, however, when patients fall through the cracks or they wait years to come back or follow up and especially when they don't know what their previous results were mm. that's when we're giving time for that cancer to take place okay. um, in addition with the well woman visit with our um those who are above the age of 30 we're also going to be doing a clinical breast exam as well in the office okay. now um based on no matter who you may speak to, the American Cancer Society, the American College of Obstetrician and Gynecologists, they're not the biggest fans of self-breast examination at the home, oh. um, unless you have a woman who is very knowledgeable of the normal variances of breast tissue, oh, wow. or they're open to being you know, taught about what to feel for, what to assess for. Um, However, they do recommend at least a clinical breast exam um, at this time. The mammogram is going to come a little further along at age 40. That's oh, typically okay. when we start that in those that are at average risk for breast cancer. Um, and we would do that mammogram right now every two years. Again, so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I was about to say, you know, are there, you know, what if a woman is uninsured and she needs to, she wants to, stay in line with the preventative screenings. Are there any programs for, to help her? Yes, and you said for the uninsured, correct? Uninsured, correct. Yes, absolutely. There's the Florida Breast Cancer um, Prevention um, that will take care of those particular women, specifically oh. those aged 50 to 64. Okay. Um, however, who um, who are due for that that form of screening okay. and as well as there are some other associations like the we care referral who will provide some assistance in being able to get patients especially if they have a history of the abnormal ultrasound that was done that uh -huh. needs follow-up such as a breast biopsy or a mammogram or even an mri oh. so it's just important that patients get to 
whether it be a clinic or a physician's office, you got to get there and then we can get you set up with the resources that we need, that you need, we need, because we're a team in this, in this um, process mm -hmm. to make sure you get the best care possible so that we're not missing anything. Okay. Well, I, I did want to say one thing is that, you know, Dr. Ball focuses on women's health, yes. but um, as a primary care provider, um, I also uh, don't forget the vaccines. Okay. Mm -hmm. Everybody has their, their vaccines. They're not just for babies. Mm -hmm. you know, adults have, uh, have a vaccine schedule as well. So yeah. I definitely, um, as a primary care provider, compliment Dr. Ball mm -hmm. in um, in in that area. So so Dr. Ball, this is this has just been wonderful. We have covered it from from pre-adolescence mm -hmm. all the way until mm -hmm. a woman is what? How, what age would you say that a woman stops getting a pap smear. I hear that all the time. No, I don't want to do that. No, uh -uh, I'm too old for that. I don't have this, that, and the other. Tell me, what it's is- interesting because you get the women who may not want it. I get the woman, women who want it every single year, even though it's not necessary to have it every single year. Um, but it's okay. I'm, I'm okay with performing it every year if that is the patient's desire. Um, the current guidelines are to stop at um, age 65, oh, unless okay. the patient has history of some more of the invasive or abnormal testing um, for the years prior to that. And if so, okay. we want to wait at least a full 20 years since that last abnormal, if wow. it was significantly abnormal. Wow. before we were to stop testing. So um, in addition to that, those who have had a hysterectomy, mm -hmm. especially if that hysterectomy was for fibroids or endometriosis or some other underlying causes, if that patient has had a hysterectomy, there's no need for us to perform oh, the cervical okay. cancer screening unless, okay. again, we do have to get their history and see if there was some history of cervical cancer or something that we needed to be kind of keeping an eye on. So the main thing we want to prevent, prevent, you know, cervical cancer, we want to prevent many things from occurring, but the patients, they have to, they have to come in so that we can provide that education and provide that counseling and keep them up to date on the latest guidelines so awesome. that they're not having to go to Google for those particular, you know, for that information. Well, I just want our office, uh, our audience to know, uh, Dr. Ball, that you will be joining me in a, a few more podcasts because women's health is like the universe. It's fast. Yes. And so there's so much, yes. so much to talk about the STIs. Yes. We're talking about pregnancy, what yes. to do before you're pregnant, yes. during pregnancy, yes. after pregnancy. There is so much. So Dr. Ball, just to mm -hmm. let everyone know that Dr. Ball will be joining us yes. uh, for uh, several more podcasts because mm -hmm. it is so, important so important that we know dr ball cannot follow you home i can't follow you home and so the information that we impart to you we need for you to take it and we need for you you know what practice it at home 
If you have questions, that's what we're here for. Please call us and ask. Yeah, and absolutely. So, so Dr. Ball, I just want to say thank you very, very much for giving just a wonderful um, uh, uh, summation of of just the the normal woman. You know, from from pre-adolescence all the way until um, so she no longer needs women's health. Yes, whatever that is. Yeah. But. Um, but will you, so you will promise to come back and, and absolutely whenever sessions. Wonderful. Well, I just want to say that, um, if you can let everyone know how they can get in contact with you, Dr. Ball, that would be absolutely. Great. I am here at the neighborhood medical center location on, um, at 2295 Pasco street. Okay. And um, you may contact us by phone, 850-224-2409. And I would be glad, glad to, to see you um, because I believe that that woman, that woman is the pillar of that community. She's, listen, she's the one taking care of the families. That's right. So if we have a strong and healthy woman, I feel like we can make a huge difference in these communities. A lot of people listen to their grandmas, their That's aunties. right. That's you know, right. So, Dr. Ball, do you have, things. do you have any activities that are going on where you will be speaking? I know that this is a busy time for you. <laughs> You know, um, I know the phone will probably be busy because of yeah. the COVID babies, yeah. but um, yeah. do you, are you involved in anything right now where someone can come to see you speak or, or are you a part of um, a certain group that does education? Do you, do you do, like I said, she's, she's pretty busy, so. <laughs> Um, if she if she says yes, I do two yes. other things. I will be impressed. I will be like, oh my gosh, Dr. Ball, I love you. So, are you involved in anything right now, Dr. Ball? Right now, currently not involved with anything else with COVID okay. going on. Um, a lot is kind of at a standstill, but I definitely look forward to joining in on some of the podcasts here. And if okay. I have any speaking engagements coming up at the hospitals. Um, or wherever that may be, by all means, I will let you guys know and keep you informed. Well, you know, once again, thank you, thank you, thank you for such an informational session. And and folks, this will end our podcast for um, this week. But remember, three things. Stay positive, stay oh, yeah. healthy, mm -hmm. and stay true to you. So have a blessed week and we will talk to you later. Bye-bye.